recording for the fourth of what I hope to be many more um, interviews in the 2021 Grand Lodge Candidate Series. So welcome, Right Worshipful Brother Leonard Phelps. Thank you very much. So I'll get these out of the way at the start, though if you tuned into the last three of these, you'll, you'll know the drill. Um, this is a, an open invitation to any candidates for 2021 Grand Lodge who want to take part. Uh, I would love to interview you on this podcast. If for whatever reason, I haven't been able to get in touch with you, my email address is on the bottom of the screen. Just look down, uh, send me an email and I'd be happy to schedule, schedule some time with you. Uh, the opinions, expressions, et cetera, et cetera, of Square and Compass don't reflect those of Grand Lodge. And this isn't meant to endorse any one particular candidate. Uh, rather, these interviews are just a chance to get to know um, these Freemasons and particularly these uh, candidates um, for 2021. So once again, Right Worshipful Sir, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for doing this. It's uh, hopefully it'll be of advantage to the uh, membership as a whole. Right, well, you are um, number, you are my fourth interview. Um, I do have some more coming down the pipe uh, that I'm scheduled. So like I said, I hope to get everybody. And speaking of advantage to the membership, uh, in the description to this video, you will find both um, the information from Grand Lodge about the Right Worshipful uh, Brother, as well as some information about voting this year. Um, for any Ontario Masons, because um, as I just discussed with my, my last interview, uh, Worship Brother Cadot, you know, this is a very unique and interesting uh, Grand Lodge. Yes. The, uh, I told you know, the one benefit though, I guess, is you can attend without wearing pants, which I always think is a plus. Never know. Well, I mean, that's the thing about all these Zoom meetings, right? I don't know. My guess is we're looking at probably 50% of Masons have been attending Zoom meetings without pants. That's just based on my experience and my attendance. There's a reason the cameras, you know, there's a reason you only need to wear a shirt and tie. Not that I'm casting aspersions, but thank you so much for being here. Tell me about, um, you know, let's start with the basics. Um, the position for which you're running, what uh, encouraged you to stand um, for the nomination or, or to stand after being nominated and um, kind of why you, what you hope to accomplish in the role? Well, what you hope to accomplish um, is entirely up to the Grand Master uh, when and if you're successful in either being elected or appointed in that they're going to tell you what they want you to do. You don't have a choice and whatever assignment they give you, uh, you do your best and hopefully it meets with their approval come the end of the year. I've been on the board before. I know how it works and basically if you're successful in being elected, they will turn around 
and they have a list. They they know what the elections results were uh, about a you know the the uh, announcement is on the Wednesday. On Thursday, they're going to tell you, uh, Lenny, you're in charge of this committee, and uh, this is what we want you to accomplish. And it's your job to do it. To what extent um, does a member of the Board of General Purposes or, well, let's, let's just start it lower, let's, or, or not lower is the right term, but, um, Let's start it more at the local level. A, a mason in a lodge, um, I guess, to what extent um, can and should masons uh, bring forward ideas and um, their, own, their own thoughts and their own quote-unquote spin on things and, and bring that forward in lodge or to a worshipful master behind the scenes? Um, versus, you know, a, a worshipful master setting an agenda and then having the officers and members uh, follow that agenda as best as they can. So I am currently the worshipful master of Templum Luchas Lodge, number 747 out of Stratford, Ontario, South Huron District. And we're an observant lodge. So the way things work uh, with us is slightly different than it would be in a traditional or typical lodge. But I've also been the master of uh, mosaic number 559 out of Toronto Don Valley, which is a traditional lodge. So I've had uh, experience in both settings. And in either case, when uh, a member of the lodge has a question, a concern, a desire, um, whatever you want to call it. Um, if the worshipful master is doing his job well, he is always approachable. And he should always listen to the membership of the lodge because he's there on their behalf. And if they want something, regardless of what it is, it should be brought up at a committee general purposes meeting. The brethren can discuss it. Uh, the brethren can initially vote on whether to either entertain it or discharge the idea. And if it goes further, it may go to a committee or a series of guys. And it may very well then come before the uh, lodge as a whole for a vote and open lodge assembled once it's been published in the summons. So everybody has an idea of what the issue is. They've had a chance to discuss it. And now's their opportunity to vote upon it. Um, when something like that happens at the Grand Lodge level, it's different. It's different because the Grand Master has an agenda set before the year starts. Uh, they have like a five-year plan and they have a strategic plan on what they want to accomplish when. And these plans are put into place years before the actual date comes. So suggestions are always welcome. They're always listened to, but the opportunity to implement them is not as quick as it would be at the regular lodge level. If I had to give you that as a comparison between one issue and the two different scenarios. And is that 
I guess to what to what extent do you view, you know, being a member of the Board of General Purposes? To what extent is it um, an art versus a a science? You know, in the sense you talked about, you can. Uh, well, I'll, to participate or be able to participate at the Grand Lodge level is an honor in itself. There is no hierarchy or um, steps that, oh, now that you've been junior ward and you're going to be senior ward and senior wards can do this. When you come onto the board, you come on, you're at the lowest level and over the years you work your way up and you are there to give. You're there to give to your craft in any way that the grandmaster desires or that his programs dictate. So if he wants to put you in charge of a committee, that's fine. If he doesn't want to put you in charge, but wants you to work on a specific program, then you do it to the best of your ability with the understanding that you're giving to the craft for, and nothing more than that. Do you, um, you know, we mentioned at the start, or I mentioned at the start, kind of the unique circumstances that we are finding ourselves in with Grand Lodge this year. Um, as a candidate for the Board of General Purposes. Um, what are your thoughts on the, you know, the virtual nature of the, of the communication? Obviously, it, it has to take place this way. It's for everybody's safety. I just mean more in terms of, um, like, uh, the administration of it. Um, have you been speaking to anybody about how it's going to run? Um, well, how it's going to run is, has, has been published by Grand Lodge and sent to everybody through their district deputy grandmasters, to the lodge secretaries, to the membership as a whole. Um, we all understand what's going to happen, the registration dates that are required for the DDGM votes, the registration dates that are required to vote for uh, members of the board and uh, the uh, grand treasurer and the grand uh, senior ward and junior ward and what have you. The fact that we're doing this um, online, electronically, to me, is quite advantageous to the membership as a whole. Um, I uh, raised this issue almost 10 years ago that I felt electronic voting was more equitable to the membership as a whole, rather than meeting at the Royal York or anywhere else. Uh, in that it affords the brethren who are entitled to vote to do so regardless of where they live, whether they can get to the Royal York or not, regardless of age, um, health, financial situation, work, um, it really provides a level playing field. Unfortunately, when we had our voting at the Royal York, those who could not afford to take off work couldn't vote. Those who didn't have the money to come to Toronto couldn't vote. Those whose health prevented them from doing so couldn't vote. And there's a whole bunch of scenarios that existed and, it, and I didn't think it was fair. But one thing that, I mean, I'm glad now that we have this electronic voting and I hope it doesn't go away. 
because of its um, ability to meet all the membership's needs. But I, it bothers me that it took a pandemic in order for it to come to light. And that in itself is an issue. Do you think that moving forward, um, once the pandemic is behind us, um, the electronic voting option will remain in place either as the only option or there'll be a, a combination of you can vote in person or electronically? I, I hope the electronic voting is, is here forever. If it isn't, all I, all I would be concerned about, as I was 10 years ago, is that all who are entitled to vote actually have the opportunity to exercise that right. That's my concern. Do you think it's possible, and I've had this discussion with uh, another, uh, another brother on this series, um, you know, you did say, uh, mentioned at the start of your answer, you know, you said, you said whether it's held in rural York or anywhere, um, you know, this problem remains. But it does strike me that, you know, a, a moving or a rotating Grand Lodge communication could also alleviate some of these problems in that it would give um, other cities, other locations, other districts, a chance to host a communication and, you know, maybe see their membership uh, represented. So all the membership gets an opportunity to be represented when the voting is electronic. But you've brought in another aspect of the issue, which is also very important. Coming together in a convocation has many importances attached to it. Voting is only one aspect of it. It's not the whole thing. The only reason we get together is not to vote. The reason we get together as a convocation is social, to exchange ideas, to be able to freely talk like you and I are doing right now, except we're going to be doing it face to face. It gives people the opportunity to participate in certain presentations that Grand Lodge may put on and conferences or what have you. And these study groups and discussions are very important to the craft as a whole, as long as somebody's listening. And whether you have voting electronically across the province as a whole, but it is still important to get together face-to-face, one-to-one. And by having a roving um, com communication, where the people in Eastern Ontario have a chance to congregate, the people in Western Ontario have a chance to congregate in the North and the South and the Centre. It is very important that everybody have the opportunity to meet, to participate in uh, information sessions, to be able to communicate their thoughts and ideas, uh, even just to, uh, what do you call it, uh, flea markets, just to buy badges and paraphernalia and stuff like that. I mean, some people, that's their only opportunity to get a bumper sticker if it's important to them. Um, so these little things all start coming together to enhance the Grand Lodge uh, information aspect, the feeling of participating with Grand Lodge. And that's very important. And you're not going to get that if it's electronic only. Electronic only is great for voting, but it's not everything. It does nothing for that face-to-face, person-to-person relationship. 
you mentioned and emphasized uh, the word listening. Um, how important is it to you as a candidate or as a worshipful master, the, the communication and the ability for Masons not only to communicate, for example, ritual work or whatever it is, but to actually listen and, and be impacted by whether it be a ritual or just listen to the ideas of, uh, you know, whether it be at the Grand Lodge level or, or otherwise, to listen to the thoughts and ideas of uh, our brethren. Grand Lodge, this is a personal opinion now. Grand Lodge cannot operate in a vacuum. Um, I look upon, when I put my name forward to be a member of the board, I look upon my role being as a member of the board, no different than uh, an elected official in a provincial or municipal government. I would, I am, I believe, I treat my role as an elected person of the people. I'm their voice, their eyes, and their ears at the Grand Lodge level, and we need to communicate with each other. I'm their representative. I'm not there for me. This isn't about Leonard Felt. This is about the craft. I'm just a guy who happens to be elected, hopefully, by the people for the people. In that, Grand Lodge needs to listen to what's going on at the Lodge level to understand what their needs truly are at that point in time. Not globally over you know, a five-year period, but right now, these guys have a concern. This concern needs to be heard, and the concern needs to be addressed, and it needs to be addressed in a timely fashion. And hopefully, the brethren will understand that things don't happen overnight. Um, ideas, concerns, thoughts, wants, desires have to be discussed. And some of them are practical, some of them are impractical, some of them are possible, some of them are impossible. But you have to discuss it and they have to understand what their role is in having or doing, acquiring, whatever it is that's important to them. So the whole process of satisfying the needs of the brethren has to happen transparently, openly, so they understand either why they can't have something or if they do want something, what's involved in acquiring it, and they have to be involved with that process. It can't be us and them. It can't be Grand Lodges over there doing their thing, and we're over here doing ours, and they're telling us to do this, but we really need that, and who are they to tell me? And this is what I, this has gone on for years and years and years, and that whole mindset, that whole mindset has to change. Times have changed, and we have to evolve with it. It isn't change for the sake of change. It's evolution. I call it improvement. We can always improve. No matter what we do, no matter who we are, masonry is all about improvement. And if you think about it, really think about it, for over 300 years, Freemasonry has been the original self-improvement organization. We've been doing it for over 300 years, which means we have to evolve, we have to listen, and we have to do what we need to do to survive. If we don't evolve, if we're not flexible, 
We're not going to. Can't live in the past. We have to prepare today for the future. To what extent do you think Freemasonry is a self-improvement organization versus a, um, a community, city, country, in, take it where you want to go, uh, uh, improvement organization? Um, so we're, so um, Freemasonry is not a public service organization. We're a fraternity. We're here for each other. We use things like charitable events, whether it be for your community or a specific group. We use that as a tool for self-improvement, but we're not here for their purpose. We're here for our purpose. We're here to make ourselves better and we're here to do it with each other to have each other's best interests at heart, to somehow come in to Freemasonry at whatever level and somehow leave it just a little bit better. By leaving the craft better, um, though, I wonder if, or, or I think that the argument can be made that the effect of that is to to make the world better um, you know the purpose may be improvement of of oneself but the the effect on a community will be better it, it, it we, will, hope. It, it, we hope i'm not well yes I'll, we always hope we i'm hope. not sure though I, I think it's you know an, an example i've used before um and I know it's not a perfect analogy, but, you know, a, a great song. I'm, I'm partial to Leonard Skinner. I really like Simple Man. It's my favorite song in the world. So, you know, the world is a better place because Simple Man exists. And in the same way, I've always thought the world is a better place when a piece of ritual is done well even if it's only seen by the people in the lodge room, um, something, whenever anything is done well and with heart and with purpose, the world improves because of it. It's always been my thought. And so, yes, it, it's a self-improvement thing in that the ritual hopefully imparts knowledge and wisdom upon the people both involved in the ritual and watching from the stands. But I also think the world is better for, you know, the world is better for masonry, just as the world is better for Leonard Skinner. So ritual work helps communicate a lesson and a message. And just like a beach is made up from millions of grains of sand, so does masonry exist, as all of us are little grains of sand. But together, when we combine what we have, it represents something bigger than ourselves, bigger than ourselves in the message we communicate, in our ability to communicate it, in the benefits of what we communicate. When we work as a group, we accomplish a lot more than we do as individuals. But as individuals, we all need to learn those lessons so we can all work 
harmoniously and cooperatively towards a common goal. And whether that common goal is raising funds for a charity, whether that common goal is making society a better place, we all have to pull our weight. We all have to understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. And our ritual helps us with those lessons. Do you think, um, to what extent are the goals of a, of, a, of a lodge, of the craft, to what extent are those goals kind of emergent phenomena or I guess like to, to what extent do you think it's important that there be a plan in place, you know, for a master, for a grandmaster to say, okay, this is where we want to go. This is the goal versus, um, you know, I've always been more of a, you know, fly by the seat of my pants approach in that, you know, it's, it's can be really interesting and fun to see as a lodge grows where the interests of the members go and trying to, to capture you know, because maybe you get a whole bunch of brothers in, all of whom have an interest in history. So then the goal becomes historical research. It, it just seemed, I guess that's the question. To what extent do you think Freemasons should be planning, you know, their goals and direction in advance versus to what extent do you kind of allow that evolution to emerge and figure out where it's taking you? You're not going to accomplish anything or get anywhere unless you have a goal and a plan or a way to get there. If you just wander aimlessly, that's what you're gonna be doing. You don't know what you may accomplish where you have no plan and the opportunity to accomplish something is minimal. It's no different than business. Um, if you want to generate income, you have to have a way of doing it. You have to have your you know, expenses under control. You have to have your product uh, you know, properly marketed. And, and you know, there's just so many aspects that have to come together in order to have success. Success isn't an accident. Uh, you plan and you work for it. And you have a plan in place that everybody has to follow. And when you work together and follow that plan, you stand a better chance of accomplishing your goal. But if you just wander aimlessly, you aren't going to accomplish anything. Can you define success in a Masonic context? What does... Well, success in, in anything is in the individual's mind. Um, some people feel that uh, success is having money. Some people feel success is merely accomplishing goal, whether you make money or not. Some people, success is not making money. It's not accomplishing a goal. It's uh, personal development. I'm better today than I was yesterday. To some people, success is egotistical. Uh, I'm on top of the heap. Success is different to each person. But when you have a plan and you have a goal, and when you accomplish that goal, that in itself, in itself is success. But I guess from a, a Masonic perspective, uh, like... Oh, In a Masonic aspect, it, you, your goals can be annual. Uh, the Worshipful Master this year uh, wants to increase membership. The Worshipful Master this year wants to increase the caliber of ritual. The Worshipful Master this year, and he'll have his desires based on the needs of the Lodge. And if at the end of his term, what he set out to do 
was accomplished, he had success. To whatever degree of success is quantitative to the individual, but as long as he got closer, near, or he's better at the end than he was when he started, he had some form of success. So I guess maybe the better question then is, you know, uh, how do you define a proper Masonic goal? So I've, I've been reading because I received, uh, and thank you very much to the author, the book is far away, so I can't think of the author's name right now, but he sent me uh, free of charge, very kind of him, uh, a book called Sins uh, of Our Masonic Fathers. Um, I know the book. Okay, so yeah, so his basic argument is that the, the goal for too many years was increasing membership. And even though they may have been successful in that goal, uh, you know, in the 1920s and 1950s, that ultimately did not lead to success in a Masonic sense because it ultimately harmed the craft by having members without necessarily all those members understanding or appreciating the, the fraternity. Well, we had a lot of the wrong members. Let's not, let's just call it what it was. But so I guess my question then is, um, you know, what would you define as a, a proper Masonic goal? Is it, um, you know, so it used to be increasing membership at all costs. Now, could it be? Well, we learn lessons as we go. Let, let, let's, let's clear something up. We learn lessons as we go. Yes, it's important to increase membership. Um, membership is a, an important aspect of our ritual and many things that we do. It's not the all and end all. Uh, just, you know, degree work is, is not to go, the reason to go to lodge. It's, it's a small portion of it. And we know over time that quantity is more important than qual uh, quality is more important than quantity. And quantity itself doesn't satisfy a need. But I think a lot of people didn't invest enough time in determining what the real need was. It was just a quick reaction, get more people and get more money in. The more money we coming in, the more we can do, da, 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 da. But they didn't look deep enough. They didn't follow the concept through to the end. And that's why planning is very important. You really have to discuss all aspects and implications of what you want to accomplish or what you want to do. So it's also based on time factors here and now. Today we have needs. Um, yesterday we have needs. Tomorrow we're going to have needs. But to understand what the needs may be of tomorrow, you have to look at things today. In order to have what you want tomorrow, you have to put things in place today. You have to start the process now so you can end up with it later. And I don't know what happened in the past, why it happened in the past, what the influences were of the past, but in the past, they believed for whatever reason that quantity was important. Today, we understand because we have more information, more experience and more knowledge that quality is more important than quantity. And I understand that you don't need 5,000 lodges. You may only need five or 50. You don't need hundreds of members in the lodge, that any lodge with more than 40 or 50 members is not serving everybody well in that everybody needs an opportunity to participate, to feel that they're part of something. And when you look at your officer lineup and committees and everything else, 
If you have too many members, there's too many people sitting there doing nothing, and that's not good. Everybody has to be involved in the process. So when you have a lodge of 30 people, you have everybody engaged in one aspect or another. That's important. When you start getting too many, break it off, form another lodge. But when you don't have enough, bring them together to build a lodge that is stable, it's secure, it functions. If you don't have enough people, it's just as bad as too many. So you've got to watch that balance. This we learned over time. So I think you, you touched on it quite well, uh, you know, but to, um, to continue on this, because this is kind of one of those, those debates or discussions that is pretty regular uh, amongst Freemasonry. Uh, you, know, you you described, you know, use the term, the the real need um, of an organization. What would you say in 2021? Uh, how would you what would you say the the real need or needs of Freemasonry is? What do you see as needing to be improved within the craft or examined? Well, I can only give you an opinion based on whatever information I have to date. Um, if you were to say, Lenny, if you were to propose that question to me and say, you know what, come back in a week or two and, and give me an answer, it would probably be a little bit different than I would give you a knee-jerk reaction right now. But I think any organization needs to keep its membership involved. Everybody has to feel important and feel like they're part of something. In our aspect, side benchers in the lodge who don't participate in ritual, who don't participate in the committee, don't help anybody do anything. They're just there. They show up, they enter lodge, they sit, they leave, they don't socialize or they socialize minimally. Um, they're not what I would call an active member. They're a name on paper. There's somebody who is a member of the lodge, pays their money, comes maybe now or then and leaves. So what is their con contribution to the craft? It's, it's, it's almost zero. But if we can keep those people involved, then they bring value to everything we do and we bring value to them. And hopefully they understand their contribution to society as a whole, to the craft as a whole, and maybe it allows them to grow more than they would if they just sat off to the side. So I think involvement at every aspect of the craft is very important. That's like I said before, I, I view my role as a member of the board as being your elected representative no different than an elected official in a public office in that the membership needs to have a communication path to Grand Lodge Grand Lodge needs that communication path to the membership and the membership has to be involved with what goes on at Grand Lodge and they need to communicate with each other in order to help each other, to allow each other to grow, to perform what's really important at the time, to uh, have everybody understand what's needed for the future and to get everybody to work together towards a common goal. It's not a question of just wiping your hands and saying, you know what, leave it to them. I'm out of the question. If they screw up, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll ring them a new whatever. 
And if they do great, I'll just say, yeah, thank you very much and bugger off. No, 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 no. Everybody needs to be involved. They need to be heard. They need the opportunity to be heard. And they need the opportunity to listen so they can understand. In both aspects, everybody needs to listen and everybody needs to understand. That could, that is a statement that if more people in the, uh, the big wide world recognize that, why not have some of the, the problems that we do? Uh, I think one of the reasons we have problems is because some people have their objectives regardless of what the needs are. Um, this tends to happen through egotists or people who have private agendas, uh, personal politics, private politics, and they um, forgot where they came from. And that's not what this is all about. We are here for each other. We're a fraternity. We're about each other. That's what we're about. And if we're here to improve in any shape or form, better today than we were yesterday, then we all have to do that together. You can't just leave it to somebody else to say, make me better. It's not going to happen. You have to do it. So work is all about. The, going back to the uh, issue of involvement, um, you know, I, I wonder if one, you know, my concern about the, the idea of, of involvement and, and this kind of emphasis on it um, is I think it can sometimes downplay the benefit of just being in a, just sitting quietly in, in a lodge, either from the perspective of, you know, uh, I always tell guys, you know, your presence is a contribution, especially on a degree. Even if uh, a brother has no part in the ritual work and has nothing necessarily to do, his presence there, um, when the candidate sees him and all of his brothers and sees the stands filled, hopefully, it's, a, it's an indication to that candidate that he is a valued member of the lodge, so much so that a brother with maybe nothing to do will still sit and be there for him and congratulate him at the end of the night and shake his hand. And even, you know, for a newer Mason who maybe has nothing to do, to be present, like really present, present not just in the sense of physically, but mentally present and listening and paying attention, he will absorb things that will help him when he takes an officer's chair when he takes the master's chair. So I always tell brothers, you know, even if you have nothing to do, there's a great value in your presence. Um, and that value is both for yourself and for a candidate. And even for, you know, if you want to advance your Masonic career and you're the guy who sits paying attention, you know, obviously there because he's enjoying it even if you're not doing anything brethren will see that and be more willing to put trust in you as an officer of the lodge so you touched on two things which are mutual yes you're right even the side benchers sitting there is contributing the two things you touched on are and i wrote them down while you were talking is contribution and participation 
one mutual with the other. Sitting there doing nothing in one aspect is contributing towards filling a room and making the Masonic experience better for the candidate, helpful to the officers, increasing the whole Masonic experience. I would just add to that though, uh, just to, to, to be clear, right? Sitting there, um, but paying attention is, you know, sitting there on, you know, pulling out a cell phone or- well, We're not allowed uh, to do that. Well, you, you would, you, I've been to some lodges, but know. you know, pulling out a cell phone or, you know, leaning back or, or obviously not paying attention or, or being- um, uh, Attentive. Yeah, yeah, that is not a, a contribution or participation to any, you know, but being doing nothing but in a Zen mindful way and focusing. Uh, I just want to make that clear because I don't want brothers thinking they can sit in a corner and, you know, take a nap and nobody will. But you want to know something? Even the guy who's sitting in corner taking a nap, it, it's not very respectful to the candidate or the officers doing the work, but his presence there has filled the room, but his actions... Uh, speak louder than words as well, for him as an individual, as an individual. But that works on what I was telling you before as far as contribution and participation. He is not participating in what's going on as far as just listening to the degree work, uh, trying to understand the lesson that's being given, participating maybe even in doing a small piece for the candidate but if he isn't doing a piece and he's, and he's sitting there attentive or whatever, he's still contributing in some shape or form. That's important. Now, um, the, yeah, I think that the importance, that is such an important thing and such a, a, a valuable thing. And then also um, on the lodges side, right, the recognition, uh, uh, of that, right? Of yes, you want to say at a ritual, you want to thank the the degree team, you want to thank the officers, you want to congratulate the candidate, but you also want to thank those who would um, be present and on the sidelines for simply being being there, and also to a Absolutely. candidate, you know, uh, uh, a candidate shouldn't take for granted either the people who are there. It's it's often very common for a candidate to thank the degree team or, you know, af afterwards to shake the hands of the, the installing or the installing board team or the board. But uh, you don't want to forget the people who are present um, just to be there as a show of support. You have to realize the people who showed up just to be present, just to be a member of the lodge, to be present during that degree or education uh, seminar or anything, they took time away from their family. It took time away from work. It costed them money to come. They made an investment in their lodge and in their craft and in those people by attending. And it's our responsibility to make sure they got something for their investment. It's also up to them to put some effort towards um, receiving that investment. Like I said before, nobody just gives you anything. You have to work for it as well. Yes, they took their time, their time and effort to come to Lodge. Hopefully they gained something by their attendance. They learned something. They helped contribute towards something. Hopefully they understand that. And hopefully 
that whole experience can entice them to maybe next time do more. Do more, be a little bit better, improve just a little bit, just that little bit more, just a bit. That's all you can ask for, right? Ask, ask questions. It's just you know? that little grain of sand, like I said before, just a little fruit, just an extra grain of sand. That's all. It all so, adds up. I like that, right? It all adds up. It does. And I think it's, it can be hard to recognize that um, masonically or otherwise. Um, you know, the efforts that somebody puts into something don't always show immediate benefit, but consistent effort over time. Uh, Absolutely. It, it's like the, the lesson we learned from the chisel. Small instruments, solid in its form, but ex exquisite temperament to compensate for the diminutiveness of its size, but nothing more than repeated efforts alone. And we learned that just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, chipping, eventually you get somewhere. You have something, and that's what it takes, perseverance. We all have to persevere, but you have to understand what you're persevering towards and for. And that's when I said before that having that goal, that understanding is very important. And I think that that is a very good place uh, to leave it, but that is very, very true. So as I, I said at the start, this is uh, the fourth of knock on wood, many more interviews with many more candidates. To yourself, I wish you best of luck in your candidacy as I do with everybody. Um, you know, you, we talked about giving of your time and, and your effort, uh, time away from your family to do this. Certainly that's true at the lodge level, but also that is true of the candidates. Whether it be running for office or being in the office, it's, you know, it, it requires sacrifice of, of of your time and of your family. And so it is much appreciated. Oh, I, I thank you for putting something like this together, for giving an individual such as myself the opportunity for someone to understand what I'm about. It's very important and I thank you for that. And I also hope that those who, you know, when the time comes to cast your ballot, you shouldn't be thinking about it the moment you have to cast the ballot. You have to be thinking about it days or weeks or even months ahead of that time. Uh, too many people, I can tell you from experience, they, when we were at the Royal York, they would walk around and go, well, who do I vote for? And what do I do this? And I don't know any of the people. Well, what you're doing is quite a service to the membership, I have to tell you, because this is their opportunity to see what people are about to learn and understand it, a candidate. And... Uh, you know, there's a saying that bad people get elected when good people don't vote. And if you're not happy with what you may have seen over the years at Grand Lodge, you elected those people and if you're not happy with that. You better know who you're voting for and you got to give it some thought. Plan ahead. If you think about it, investigate and plan and make an educated choice, then hopefully uh, we can all reap the benefits of your decision. And as for the actual uh, uh, process of casting a ballot, which this year is uh, very different from other years, though I would agree uh, uh, with Right Worshipful Brother, uh, different, but I think ultimately of benefit um, 
to the craft in Ontario. Anyways, I have included some information down in the description about from Grand Lodge about how to do that and, and how to cast a vote. And you can get more information from your secretaries who should be receiving everything from Grand Lodge. So as a secretary uh, myself, I will just say, uh, read your shit, check your email. We're sending stuff out. Um, don't forget to check your junk email because I don't know why, but on a couple occasions, Outlook, the algorithms, the little robots that control uh, Outlook have sent Grand Lodge communiques to my junk mail folder. I have to find them there. So just check your email regularly, especially in the next couple months, because we really are ramping up to district deputy voting and Grand Lodge voting. Um, and you're going to be receiving very valuable information about how to proceed and how to have your voice heard. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you've done. And with that, I, uh, I always forget to do this, but I'll remind everybody watching, like, subscribe, comment, Patreon, all that good stuff. Um, support the podcast. Right, Worshipful Sir, thank you so much uh, for being here. Thank you for the opportunity to do so.